You are now listening to the West Side of THAAfterparty.com. Yo, 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 it's your boy Sneaky from R&R, recognition and respect. Tune in every Monday from 8 to 9 to catch up with me and my adventures and hear from my guests, ranging from artists to entrepreneurs and much, much more. Catch us every Monday of the week on the west side of the after party. See you at the party, y'all. To get your ass up out of here with urgency, yo. They wanna murder me though. Both ways when you cross.
Yo, what's up, party people? How y'all doing? Welcome to another episode of Recognition and Respect with your host, Sneaky. Uh, I actually had like a good day today. It was like I had like a real day off from the last two weeks where I've been super busy. I finally had like a Monday to chill. I mean, I still like edited podcasts and did like creative stuff because I'm behind on my whole upload schedule. So I'm sorry for that. But you know, it was like a more relaxing day. So I feel like I'm more prepared for this conversation. I got a really dope guest. But before we get there, let me just do my little sponsorship, give my shout outs. I'm super appreciative for all these people for helping me keep the show running and helping me, you know, cover some of the overhead. So thank you to Tony Grants following his debut EP headshot available everywhere. Hip hop is sold or streamed. L.A.'s own Tony Grants is back with his second project, Potholes and Palm Trees. It's only six songs and comes in a little under 21 minutes. This means he gets right to business without a lot of filler and time wasting. Every rapper should be so astute. Produced entirely by Helsing Beats, a production team from Indonesia, the album has a unique tone and original vibration to it. If you enjoy hip-hop that doesn't sound like it rolled off the factory line 10 minutes ago, give Potholes and Palm Trees a spin or three. That was Tony's song in the beginning coming into the show. And like I said, man, appreciate you for supporting the podcast. And hopefully we're doing the best to get you more streams and more plays. So y'all go go do that. Put these marketing dollars to work and go share the music, man. This show is also brought to you by Night Flare Company, a film, music, production, and booking company. Services include video work with Napalm Monkey Productions and Flying Chimp Studios, live sound and recording by JQ Sound, studio recording and producer Frankie Valentine. Sneaky Entertainment and Consulting helps with marketing, promotional needs, and also does bookings. They work with a couple of promoters, Alternative Shows LA, the Blue Line District, and other folks around. So if you need any video work, uh, sound recording, you want to throw shows, you want to get in venues, you want to find that one-stop shop, Knife Their Company is your peeps. Every second and fourth Wednesday, they sponsor the Blue Line District, presenting Van Slam Open Mic at the Stardust Club in Downey. So if you're looking for a stage, if you're an upcoming artist, or you know anyone that just wants to like a space to be expressive and get your word out, come on down to the Stardust on second and fourth Wednesday. So. And... Um, of course, day one sp- sponsor supporters, Midnight Motives, Album Visions is streaming, their guest from episode 24, uh, Dewdrop Delights, the home of the Wake and Bake Bar, a THC-infused breakfast bar with oats, nuts, dried fruit, and chocolate, great in the morning with coffee or tea, perfect for on-the-go snack or pick-me-up, and comes in four awesome flavors. Uh, La Clica Podcast is now putting all of my podcasts on Spotify and Podbean and like 20 other uh, podcast streaming services so we're getting to more ears hopefully we get more sponsors and be able to do bigger cooler things and really like start taking this podcast more serious so i'm super thankful to them and last but definitely not least awaking authenticity uh is a company ran by sin arias she was a guest as well so if you want to go back and check out her uh episode where she talked about how she's a blogger a vlogger she works um, strictly in personal development influencing and teaching people how to get back into alignment with the highest versions of themselves she's currently working on a personal development book to be able to better help others and for more info go check out her page at awaking underscore authenticity Whew, that was a mouthful. I had an awesome week. Um, I got to see Universal Mortal Orchestra 
at the Yoast Theater. I actually helped them do unloading of their gear, and like I got to set up their production. So I saw behind the scenes of how a band who just did Coachella two weekends in a row actually rolls and shows up. And there's a lot of shit that they do. So eye-opening experience. Shout out Sal for getting me the gig uh, over in the OC. We had a great night. Um, Border X was dope. Followed up with, by, with going to DBC and supporting Lovesick. Be on the lookout for a house night that we got coming up. And then, uh, yeah, the weekend was Golden Road and Indy 420 celebration. Verbs was in the house. Ilsmar was in the house. Uh, it's always dope when people come out and we got hella blasted. I was stoned. Uh, I rapped. It's been a minute since I rapped. And uh, I think I need to start doing that more. Um, I got I like a lot of people that know me who were there to see me DJ didn't even know I was a rapper. So that's very telling. Um, but yeah. Overall, this week was a lot more chill than the week before, and next week is probably going to be a little bit more busy, so be on the lookout for that. And without further ado, let me introduce my guest. Thank you for being so patient. Say hello to the people. Peace, everybody. And uh, let's just kick this off. How about we start with who are you and what do you do, and feel free to get as metaphorical or as literal as you want. (laughs) Uh, well, my name is Gary Alvarez. I am a writer, director, independent filmmaker uh, based in L.A. Um, I also host uh, a radio show called Persistence of Sound every Wednesday from 5.30 to 7.30. It's on, um, you can find us online at radioespacio.org. Um, we have an archive uh, on Mixcloud same called uh, Persistence of Sound. But uh, I primarily, you know, I, I focus on filmmaking. That's my thing. Okay. So that's cool. And that's interesting because I met you as a DJ. Like I, one right. of my main thing that I think when I think of you is DJ. And I actually found out through the course of getting to know you, I was like, oh, you're actually like really big on the film side. So it's always interesting like getting to know people and like what they do. So how long have you been doing film? Is this like something that you started off as a child early on you were kind of drawn to this medium or is this something that you discovered later on in life or I came to it uh in my mid-20s I I was 25 years old um when I was a kid I I had uh, my dream was to play third base for the Dodgers (laughs) and uh that didn't happen um but I'm still a Dodger fan um no man uh, I started off as a writer and I was working on a manuscript based on uh, some traveling that I did. I hitchhiked from Tijuana all the way to Tulum. And my goal was to write a, a novel when I came back. And that manuscript for that novel turned into a screenplay. I had never written a screenplay before, so I took some classes over at Long Beach City, some screenwriting workshops. And then I, once I was done, I realized, uh, well, what if nobody wants to direct my script? You know, I better learn how to directed myself so I took some directing workshops and then I realized well what if nobody wants to edit my film I better (laughs) learn how to do that myself so I took an editing workshop and I realized that um, I didn't really like editing but I liked writing and directing and from Long Beach City I applied to uh, all the film schools in the country and I got into a couple of them and I ended up at Chapman University which is in the city of Orange and that's where I got my uh, my master's and uh, I graduated in 2012 from Chapman, and I've been working since as an independent filmmaker, writing, producing, and directing my own content. And uh, most recently, I started shooting my own stuff as well. 
Um, I invested in a camera just because uh, the work the workload had gotten to the point where like I needed to invest in a camera instead of having to keep renting one or paying someone right. or doing all that. Right. Yeah, I just, you know, I had called in all my favors and <laughs> I'm working on a documentary right now and just the nature of a documentary, you know, sometimes I'll get a phone call, you know, and they'll tell me, hey, you got to come down and shoot this. And, you know, I have to call people who have right, camera. Right, 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 sometimes right. they're not available. So it's, I'm like, it's, it leaves you more flexible. You yeah. can do more. So yeah. where does the DJing fit in? Because like we met. Well, maybe we met before, but I'm really horrible with, like, names and faces and stuff. So my recollection is we met during the Sella Arts Fest planning right. committee, right? And uh, you're a vinyl DJ. I Your know. radio show also has some DJ element to it, right? Maybe we can talk about the format in a bit. So where does the DJing go? How long have you been doing music, selecting? Have you always, like, um, collected records has that always been a thing of yours or like is that something also that started later in life um so i started spinning records uh in 2000 uh i was in berkeley at the time as an undergrad and uh, i had a lot of friends who were into vinyl i had been l collecting vinyl i would say i inherited a lot of vinyl from my older brother as a teenager and uh, i just always find vinyl fascinating I i'm a very tactile person so i need to like touch you know, and the whole thing about vinyl is like touching and admiring the artwork and all that. But I didn't really get into spinning until uh, early 2000s. Started hanging out with these kids uh, who were into house music at the time. San Francisco house was blowing up. Um, I, I think like everybody starts DJing house music, right? Like <laughs> it was dope, you know. And at the time, there was this uh, record label in in San Francisco called Naked Music, and they would put on some of the best shows in the city. And some of the best, uh, like down tempo kind of house, super sexy house. Did and you ever? Do you ever at the end up? Did you ever go to the end up? I've been to the end up. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> the look on your face. Yeah. I'm like, yeah you, you always end up at the end up the, at yeah, some point. You know? Exactly. I mean, uh, I, I got to DJ there uh, last year, or was it earlier this year? No, it's still around. Yeah, cool. it's still around. It's been a while since no, I've yeah, been there. it's still a freak show too. So. Yeah. No, it was dope, you know, and. Uh, so I, I remember just hanging out with my friends, spinning records, and um, so I've always been doing that, well, at least since 2000, and how I got into hosting my own radio show. So one day I was on my way home to Long Beach, and uh, I was at a dock screening in downtown LA, and I got invited to an open mic over at Espacio, uh, Espacio 1839 in Boa Heights. Shout out Espacio 1839. Shout out to the homies at Espacio. And uh, and I remember walking in and have you been to Espacio? Yeah, actually, I did an open mic there recently too. Oh, cool! As told by you, so. So um, you know it was packed and I remember sitting being in the back and they have a glass booth kind of like kind of. You can like see the, the you can see like yeah yeah. I saw the the twelve hundreds you know and I hadn't <laughs> seen some of those in a while. Okay. And so I hit up uh, Nico who was hosting the open mic. Nico runs uh, Espacio with his wife uh, Myra. Okay. And I hit him up and I'm like, hey man, can I spin some records? And he's like, uh, you should talk to Marco. He runs the radio station. He's never here, but he's outside smoking a cigarette. Go hit him up. So I hit up Marco, and I introduce myself, and he kind of gives me this look like, who's this white boy, you know? <laughs> and uh, I let him know. I'm like, hey, man, can I spin some records? And he's like, well, why don't you come back next Wednesday? I'll show you how to use the gear, and you can have your own show. But at the time, it was really busy, and I kind of felt like he was brushing me off, you know, just get out of here kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like appeasing you, like, oh, yeah, come yeah. back next week, and then hopefully you don't show up type shit. Well, I showed up the of following Wednesday with my vinyl, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, I'm ready to rock and roll. And I remember the look on his face was like, fuck, 
Like, yeah, he was hoping you weren't going to come, huh? I think he, he didn't think I was going to show up, you yeah. know, and I called this bluff. But I got to say, Marco uh, is a man of his word, and he showed me how to use the equipment. I had never used the soundboard. I had never right, used right. mics. You know, I'm familiar with the, the, the 1200s and the mixer. All, that was nothing new, but the other equipment was new. And an hour later, I had my first show, and uh, we just celebrated three years in February. Damn, congratulations, Thank man. Thank you, brother. 158 uh, volumes on Mixcloud that you can listen to, of past shows. And, uh, I'll make sure to put a link to that in the description so that when it's on all the platforms, people will be able to find you and all your stuff. So Please do. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. That's, I've been learning from ever since I did like, the podcast with La Clica. They're like... And then putting me on game about like what advertisers and how people actually find podcasts. It's like the more info you could put, the better, the more content, the more links. So like I've been, that's why it's kind of been taking me longer to put out the shows. Cause I'm like trying to track down everybody's link. Like I always link the radio station now. So I'll make sure to put your archive in there so we can Thank get you. it out, man. Appreciate it. Um, so I'm actually supposed to come on your show yeah. in a couple months. Uh, what's the format? work like for people who've never watched it and like maybe they want to tune in and see what it's like so it's a two-hour show um i spin for the first hour and then i have a guest dj segment for the second hour and all my guests are creative people i've had artists musicians uh chefs comics samba dancers female mariachi groups pretty much the whole creative gamut so the first hour is just music, no just, talking? Uh, well, I go through the track listings. So that's about all the talking that okay, I do. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm not much of a talker, to be honest. Um, could have fooled me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm learning. That's one of the cool things about the show, too, is learning how to interview people. And that helps me with the documentary work that I'm doing because I, I got to sit down and interview people. Right, right, right. So for the first hour, it's just me spinning. And then the second half, I have guest DJs. And the premise of the, of the guest DJ segment is... Uh, well, the, the show is that music inspires everything, you know, and and so my guests come in, they bring in their top 10 songs that inspire them and influence their work, and we spin music, their tracks, and in between tracks, they, they share a story about how that song connects to whatever it is that they're working on, and they can promote their projects. It's kind of like, um, do you remember this show on VH1 called Behind the Music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that in the sense that, like, but it's your story behind the song. That right. makes sense. Because we all have a story behind a Bob Marley song or a Rolling Stone song, whatever it is. And, it, you know, music, it, what's dope about music that, is that um, it's universal, you know, and we all have a story, you know. And, and, and I think what, I, what it does is it, it facilitates the conversation. Too. Definitely, definitely. It gives you, like, something to talk, like a start point, right. like, so that you have content, topic kind of like a memory you know i'm wondering though if i'd be able to bring my own music instead of you can bring your own music there's no there's no uh then i could just talk about what the songs are about yeah you know? yeah i've had uh filmmakers come in who who bring in you know music from their from the soundtracks to their films oh I've had, that's super i've had cool. film composers come in who bring all original work that they've done for films that's pretty cool too that sounds tight yeah like my like mateo type shit like i'm not familiar with mateo mateo from PV, uh, Alivio, Mateo, he's like a composer. Uh, I don't uh, think I've met him yet. I'll have to introduce you because I've, I've actually... I've heard the name, actually. Yeah, he, Eric yeah, yeah he's that. definitely in Eric's circle, um, but he's like a talented, does like scores and these big epic stuff, and like he actually had booked me to do sound for like, um, I guess it was 
like a test for the people that he was going to like, they were going to do a, a live dance kind of routine and they were going to put it over his music. So they wanted to hear the music. So I, I brought my sound system and we kind of put it like loud and they got to hear the whole thing. And it was like a journey, you know, of just like no, no vocals, just like composer stuff. It's always like more of a trip. To What's thing. his last name? Oh my God, I'm blanking right now. We'll look it up. Yeah, I'll put it. I'll, I'll send it to you on yeah. Facebook. No, it sounds interesting. I'd like to have him on the show. No, man, that'd be dope. I think he'd really appreciate you know? that. And I've had uh, live performances in there too. You know, oh, really? in, the, in that booth. Yeah, yeah. I've had like a five-piece band in there. No way. I've had an all mariachi f a female it band. It doesn't perform. seem that big. I've had people come in just with a guitar, and, and sing. Um, they get kind of complex, and I had to eventually I had to invest in a mixer to help me with that because mm -hmm. there's only uh, two mics, one for me and one for the guest. Right, right, right. And when you have you know a five piece band, you and you're trying to, to get everything. all the thing, yeah. So yeah, and I'm not a sound engineer, so you know like I'm trying to do my best. And there's been times like where I feel like, damn, I wish I had a, like an intern or a <laughs> PA because you know sometimes I'm shooting as well. I remember one time uh, Irene Diaz came in and did a uh, she sang a couple songs, and I have like. Two, two cameras and I'm trying to check the, the sound levels and make sure they don't clip Damn. you know and it's it becomes a, a big production you, you know you need a Britney love to <laughs> what do you do on Britney on Wednesdays <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it definitely would help you know yeah, no. but right now it's just a one man operation well I mean I was listening to your story and I think it's just like it's a pretty common like gig economy entrepreneur creative story where it's like the more things that you need it's like for music, right? Take my example, like recording studio, and then like, well, what if I can't? Like, what if no one has time to engineer my stuff? No, no. What if no one has time to record me? I have to learn how to record myself. Right. Now I have all this stuff recorded. What if I don't have the money to pay, or I can't find someone who's gonna mix it and edit it and do all that? So like, I should learn how to do that, you know? And I feel like that's kind of a common theme of people that I meet that are like really hustlers. It's like the more stuff you can do yourself, you know, to get the process kind of going along. And I, I. I I applaud you for that, man. I think it's it's not only is it difficult to do, but it's also like inspiring and I bet it's changed your whole workflow. Like have you ever combined guests that are you mean you said you filmed the stuff in at the radio show? Like do you make like these little edit cuts movies or are you making like are you kind of are you you're smiling am I, am I coming well, I'm thinking on something yeah, yeah yeah no I'm thinking about all the videos I've shot you know prior to me investing in I have a Canon C100 you know and that shoots beautiful but prior to that I was just using my phone and I would just upload uh, you know the videos on our Facebook page and unfortunately I, I don't have the time to like edit everything and one of the cool things about the show is that it's unedited and I remember when I first started um, there's a lot of mistakes that I made, you know, there's like dead air or, you know, I would miss a cue on a, on a B or on a track. And I just let it be because I like the concept of it just being like uh, capturing the moment as it is with, like my friend Christian says, warts and all, you know, if there's mistakes, there's mistakes. But it ca it's like a time capsule of whatever's going on that day, you right. know, and I just, so I just leave it unedited. Um, I know a lot of other shows, uh, I have friends who have podcasts and they edit all their stuff and... Um, I'm not opposed to that. I just don't yeah, have yeah. the time because me editing that those those uh you know those those shows would take time away from what I'm truly more passionate about, which is filmmaking. Right, and I think that's another like blessing and a curse of people that just have so many creative outlets. It's like you got to do what you really want to do. All this right. other stuff's fun, you know. Like this podcast, it kind of like it's 
it's fun for me, you know? And the fact that I've been able to find people to sponsor it so I don't have to, like, pay for it. I get to just have cool conversations with people and help them promote their stuff. It's, like, it's a blessing, you know? But it's not, like, my main thing that I go out and right. I'm not always constantly thinking about the show and, like, how to advance it, elevate it. Like, little by little, it's coming together. But right. it's... uh. It's definitely like one of those things like, oh, I'm doing events right now, but like I also want to work on music and I also have a podcast and also, so it's just like, it's a struggle. I, I hear you and I'm just like, I see so much of like those hustler qualities of like that, like you're so creative, you know, you got so many outlets. Like I didn't even know that you were filmmaker and that's actually like your main thing that you yeah. do, you know, you actually went to school for that and like self-learned, studied and seek, like sought out the knowledge. It's super impressive, bro. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So let's talk about everything that you're doing right now. And you've kind of mentioned a couple of things, but let me just get into some of the stuff we wrote down. Um, you have a pilot on Amazon called Scumbags. Yeah, I'm really proud of that little pilot, man. One when of my you say pilot, I think TV or like a series, like a like a episode. Is it like the first of a series? The first of a series. Uh, when when it was first conceived. I would say 2014, 2015. It was supposed to be on the web, and at the time, um, it was supposed to be a web series, and at the time, uh, web series were blowing up, and it was right around the time when uh, this show called High Maintenance, which was created as a web series, uh, it was shown on Vimeo, and from Vimeo, now it's on HBO. So I thought to myself, you know, like maybe I can do something uh, similar to that. So I came up with this idea of a, of a series based on scumbags who are trying to quit their scumbaggery. You know? <laughs> uh, rel relatively good people. Scumbags know. who are trying to quit their scumbaggery. What you think about that, Brittany? That's a good catch line, huh? Well, the tagline is because there's one in a saw, you know. And, and at <laughs> one point, all of us. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll, at one point in our lives, we've all done some scandalous shit, you know. Definitely. Uh, and that I want to. me up at night sometimes. <laughs> me too. Um, but I wanted to create, a, you know, a show based on some characters who were intrinsically good people doing some stupid shit, uh, either because of their inexperience, you know, young people, or maybe they have some character defects that, you know, cause them to deviate from being, you know, the good people that they are. And so I created this series. I wrote, produced, directed it. And, Did uh, you shoot it as well, or you were still no, outsourcing at that no, time? No, at that time, I was fortunate enough to have... So we did a small uh, crowdfunding, and uh, we were able to raise some funds. So I, you know, I had a, a nice little crew. I had a DP and a production designer and an so editor. So this shit's like legit, legit. Yeah. And how did you... Uh, okay, I have so many questions. Um, how did, did you have to like pitch this to Amazon and sell it to them? Or is it kind of like you just pay to upload it? How does that work? Um, if you don't mind. No, no, I don't mind you asking. Um, so what's cool about Amazon, if, you, if you're if you an Amazon Prime member and you're a creative person, you can. I don't know if this is true for music, but for, for film and video, you can upload your finished project. It's kind of a tedious process. Like I remember I had to submit it like five times just because it didn't meet the required the, specifications. The criteria, they kept sending you like, yeah, fix this, fix change that. that yeah. you know, tweak this. And uh, so I was finally able to get it on there. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm developing the series as we speak. Um, and I'm hoping that it'll eventually garner enough attention you know, and gain a wider audience so where that they'll start paying for production, right? Maybe, or where like, I can get some money so that I can continue shooting the rest of the, se uh, the series. That's in that's an interesting route because I didn't even know that existed. 
that's yeah. like so it's it's kind of like a more curated YouTube almost like as long as you're a member and you miss, miss, meet this criteria you could put it out I bet there's a lot of people that don't know that or maybe I'm just not in that world but it seems like an awesome opportunity Amazon's it is right man now. and for your listeners look into it you know um, I didn't know about it until about two years ago and at the time Amazon had something called Amazon Studios where you can actually pitch to them I miss that opportunity that window, because right? yeah they, they stopped doing that uh, right around about a year or so they ago. They had so much garbage <laughs> coming through their inbox. Possibly. I think at the time, it was just when they had just launched. So they were trying to compete compete with Netflix. Right. And, uh, and YouTube and Vimeo and everything else. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, they just they stopped accepting uh, like ideas as submissions. But you could still submit your projects. Like if I had a feature film and I wanted to distribute it. Uh, through via, Amazon, through Amazon, you can upload it and you can, you know, gain, you know, some funding. I forget what the what it, you know, how, how, what the percentage is. It's not big, but it was a personal goal and it's something that I had pitched to my to my crew and my actors. Like this is going to go on Amazon at some point, and it took me a long time to get it from the way the day that we started. Uh, of course, from writing it to shooting it to editing it finally get in on amazon but it was a personal goal of mine and i finally did it let's do it congratulations man uh you. so you're currently shooting more episodes finding more scumbags or do you already have all your scumbags for the season or how does that work <laughs> uh well we have a. I might know a couple <laughs> i might be able to find you i might, I might know find, them too i might be able to find you a couple scumbags <laughs> uh i am always looking for inspiration you know, and <laughs> well the cool thing about you know scumbags is that like I feel like there's an infinite, infinite amount of, of topics. And I didn't want to just focus on, you know, you know, drugs, drugs and alcohol. Because, or, like, or like infidelity. Yeah. Like, because that's like pretty common. You see that story, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, if you think about like all the stupid, you know, all the stuff that people do, um, it's not all, you know, related to uh, drugs and alcohol, although that's a big part of it. So I, what I did was what I took inspiration from. For, uh, was from the seven, seven deadly sins. You okay, know? so you try to get some diversity yeah. in your scumbaggery. So, for example, uh, the main character, his name's Shadow. You might like him. He's a he's a, a young uh, hip hopper, and uh, and his thing is is that like he 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 cuts school and cuts work to stay home and work on beats with his homeboy um, Sh- uh, Shuggy. And his mom catches him. They're at the pad. In the pilot, you can see this. They're at- he skips school. He's at the pad. With- and they're uh, drinking 40s and smoking blunts. And his mom comes home and finds him. You know, and basically, the chancla comes out and beats his ass. So that's why he's at the meeting. But then we have a, a teacher, an elementary school teacher, uh, a therapist, a uh, personal trainer, a tow truck driver. And who's the sixth one? Uh, a, a, a musician who bartends. So th- from these characters, you know, they all come from different parts. And so they're characters you created? This is not yeah. like a documentary. This no. is like fiction. Yeah, completely. it's narrative. It's, okay. all, it's all from the, from my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From my like scumbag s- mind. It's like scripted and written yeah. out and like properly shot. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. I was like, damn, how'd you know his mom was going to come home? Like, I was like, I thought you were just trying to catch some like candid camera type well, shit. Well, I got to say that was inspired by actual events. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Of course yeah. it was. Oh, that's cool. So... Um, you said you're looking for funding to complete the series. Does that mean you don't have, you're not able, like how far are you going to be able to go right now in your current 
state as far as like shooting and putting out more episodes are we gonna see any more episodes come out this year uh i don't know about this year but hopefully sometime soon either at the end of the year or maybe next year right now i'm just currently uh developing the storylines you know and working on a pitch deck so that when the opportunity comes you you're know, ready yeah and i can you know i just created a pitch deck for another project and now i'm ready to focus on this one and create a pitch deck so that I can show to like a producer or an investor who's interested in pursuing and investing, you know, some time and money into creating an app. Uh, ideally, like ten episodes, you gotcha. know, like thirty minutes. Right, right, right. The pilot's only eight minutes. You know, it's, it's a more. Pilot. Yeah, it's more. It's kind of like a. It's just like a concept, you know, so that people can see and reference and be like, oh, this is what it looks like. This is the tone. This uh, is the quality. This, this is, the quality. is the act. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so is Scumbags a One Stone production? Does everything that you shoot fall under One Stone? Uh, everything that I started shooting post film school is is One Stone. So I created a production company um, right out of film school, um, creating my own content, such as Scumbags. And sometimes I get commissioned to do other work. And all all my work you can find on my YouTube page. It's just, uh, my name Gary Alvarez. And uh, I'll make sure to link that to please, as well because I don't even do. think I'm subscribed to your page, so we got to fix that after the show as well. And uh, you know, so on bigger shoots, on bigger projects, you know, w when there's a budget for it, I'll definitely um, you know outsource and and bring in a small crew. Um, sometimes it'll be you know a, a DP or a sound person. For Scumbags, we had like a, a crew of about 10 or 15 people, like eight actors. Um, Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's just me and a sound a person. <laughs> yeah. I just shot a, an interview on Friday where I was doing the camera, the sound, and interviewing. And you were in the shot as well? No, no, no. no. You were I, just from behind the camera? You were yeah, doing... from behind the camera. And uh, I, I'm really shy. I don't like to be on the other side. I, I don't like to be in front of a camera. I prefer to be in the you know, behind the camera. So. You're doing very well for being shy, you know? You I'm got, super I don't, shy. Man. I don't see it right now, bro. <laughs> I do it because of the work calls for it. Right, right. Know? I got to put myself out of my comfort zone, you know? And um, But, you know, in an ideal world, I would just rather be behind the camera. Every now and then, somebody will ask me, you know, to be in their project in the background, and I'm cool with that. But yeah, like, but, you're not but I'm not a trained actor either, you mm. know? So I don't. Yeah, that's not what you studied. That's yeah. not your. That's not your. That's not your toolkit. Yeah, and, and it. I have a hard time memorizing lines. I remember when we did the scumbags, uh, promo. I was on camera, and I was the first person to be on camera, and I wrote a script, and I couldn't remember my own lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember an actor who is in his name's Ruman, uh, who's in the pilot. He was feeding me the lines, you know, behind the camera, and he's like, dude. You wrote this you shit. You wrote this. Yeah, right. And I'm like, I have a hard time, you know. Like, I, I burned a lot of brain cells, to be honest. So my memory isn't as, uh, as the, sharp as it used to be. The scumbaggery in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I prefer to be behind the camera. I feel that's where I, I feel the most comfortable. I feel you. I feel you. Um, you've mentioned it a couple times now. Let's talk about this documentary that you're yeah, currently working on. Yeah. I think you're pretty excited about it. It's one of the main things you wanted to I am. On. It's my big project at the moment. It's called Power, Corruption, and Lies. Um, and it's it's based on the Bell political corruption scandal of uh, 2010. Um, that's Bell's my hometown. I grew up there. I lived there from 1980 to 1999. And uh, when the scandal broke, I was in film school, so I was just too busy to 
to devote any time at that time right yeah. when it was actually happening as it was unfolding but i remember hearing about it and reading about it and i remember you know archiving all the articles because i knew that once i was done with school i would that was gonna back. be a project you wanted yeah. to take down so that's cool and i've always wanted to put you know my hometown on the map uh for other reasons you know unfortunately that's kind of how that that story unfolded but uh so i started shooting that a couple years ago it's it's a slow process you know it's shooting a documentary is of this nature especially now you know it's nine years later there's a lot of archival um arc you know archival material that i got to research there's a lot of people who are involved i'm trying to get an interview with um the city manager, Robert Rizzo of Bell, who got busted, who was like kind of like the ringleader. He's in jail right now. I've never conducted an interview in jail. I don't know how that know works, yeah. the logistics and all that. But um, yeah, so it's based on the scandal. Uh, for, for your listeners who may not be familiar with the story, in 2010, the LA Times broke this uh, article, uh, a, a new story about this. The city manager, Robert Rizzo, had been basically embezzling funds from the city of Bell over a course of like 20 years, you know, uh, more Equaling than, some high number, right? How much was it? Uh, over 10 million, you know. And, That's a lot of money, dog. Yeah, you know, and you're from HP. Which is the neighbor right there. Which is adjacent there. to Bell. And, you know, they're very similar uh, in terms of demographics. I think HP is a little bit bigger. Bell's like nine square miles, uh, not even, uh, like three square miles. Working class, um, mostly immigrants, Spanish-speaking. Mostly Spanish Latino, speaking, mostly yeah. Latino. And, and and below the poverty line, I found out through my research that Bell is like one of the poorest cities in the country. And Damn, you, in the country. In the country, and you know when you wonder f from an outsider, like where was all this money coming from? So there was Bell had the the, the second highest property tax in the county, higher than Bel Air, higher than Beverly Hills, uh, and and that was due through some of the manipulation that Robert Rizzo as a city manager was able to, you know, maneuver. And, and here's the sad part. I got to say Robert Rizzo, a white guy. Um, I don't remember originally where he's from, but I know that he had uh, a mansion in Huntington Beach, a horse ranch in Seattle because of the money that he was taking. And um, the sad part is, is that the city council was involved the mayor they knew about it they knew about it they and they were fucking over their own people yeah, basically and they had they were getting uh you know eighty thousand dollars salaries you know at the time when it when they, when they got busted uh, and that's that's the heartbreaking part because you know from as 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 a kid growing up in bell you know you don't really expect that somebody who's homegrown would do that you know at least right. maybe i'm too naive in that sense i mean obviously i mean obviously i think current events would tell would tell you you're too naive but i i i i know that that sense of disillusionment you know because um i mean my mom and dad were both mayors of huntington park at some point and when that scandal broke um I'm not sure if my mom was in city council at that time or like uh, like not long after where everybody thought that that's how we got our money was because we were doing crooked, shady shit. We had the FBI fucking um, investigating. They're like, I remember there was a time where like reporters were outside of my house. But that's because HP had their own scandal, right? right? And so I feel the same way. Like both of our cities are kind of riddled with these scandals of people who got into power and then abused it. Right. And I think it. Ha I think it has something to do with where we come from. Like not having 
money or nice things or any kind of power being like disenfranchised and maybe you know not not really knowing the language that well or you know having to like really scrap and scramble to get to this point where you're like oh now I can now I can do shit you know and take advantage and like I don't know that sense of like entitlement that you earned it or so you know there's like a, a lot of ways that humans can kind of trick themselves into feeling like justifying their actions but yeah, it's heartbreaking, dude. You're supposed to be public servants, you know? Right. And, I mean, think about all the things that that money could have done. Programming, freaking opening up new centers, you know, paying for... Like, there's just so many things that we know our communities need that, you know, that could have been better use for that money instead of mansions and horse ranches and yeah. crazy parties and freaking who knows what else they were doing, you know? But, yeah, it's a bummer. So... Do we have an ETA on that documentary? Is oh, there man. A... It, it's grown in scope. Um, <laughs> it's like the bigger you deep, right? Yeah. I mean, the, like, the, more you, the more you find out. The, the more I dig, the deeper the rabbit hole and the wider the net. So a lot of those people who were involved either in the city council or just residents who became activists, some of them have moved on to, to state government positions. Um, and so... Um, I don't have an ETA on that at the moment. I'm kind of taking my time. This is uh, another thing, a, a project that's so big, and I'm, I'm, so I'm producing, I'm directing, I'm also editing at the moment. Eventually, I'd like to have uh, some funds um, to hire an editor because it's so big. So this is a super passion project for you, that this yeah. could be like your your 10-year odyssey or some shit. Hopefully, it doesn't take that long. <laughs> you know, I'm hoping to get it done within the next couple of years. Uh, I don't have a like a like a, a schedule. Yeah, yeah, I don't have like a hard deadline. Um, you know, I'm not, when it gets done, then I'll submit it. But it's not like I'm trying to rush it to get it done so that I can submit it to Sundance later this year. I feel you. I feel you. you. Know? Are you doing any like um, Freedom of Information Act requests? Yeah. Like, have you been able to find like the sources for where the articles got? You know, are you doing all of that yeah, tedious man. work as well? Yeah, that's that's where uh, my undergrad researching skills kick in. You know, like, <laughs> From that Berkeley, yeah, that Berkeley research Berkeley, yeah, yeah, institution that you see. Just uh, look, searching for, um, they call them primary source documents. Um, yeah, you, you know, all that, all those skills, you know, that, you know, you pick up. Sometimes when you're in school, you're like, wow, when am I ever going to use those skills? Well, later down the line, you know, they kick in, you know, and so I'm grateful for, for that. Um, but yeah, and then with the radio show, interviewing people on my, on my radio show helps me develop my interview skills when I'm behind the camera and speaking to these people right now, you know, for your listeners who are out there who are familiar with the story, I'm also, you know, this is a call for interviews. You know, if, if you were involved or your family were involved, uh, in any way or another, you know, please reach out to me. If you're willing to talk on camera, we can set up an interview, an on-camera interview. Or if you're not willing to be on camera, we can do a written interview, whatever. I'm looking for the stories. I, I also, here's the thing. is like, I don't want it just, I don't want it to be another story about victimization. You know, like, uh, I want it to be, I want to tell the story and be um, truthful about it. You know, of course, I'm going to be a little bit uh, partial because Bias, it's my, yeah. it's my yeah, hometown. But, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, I'm trying to be true to the subject matter as best as I can. Uh, so I kind of want to get both sides of the story, like, you know, as best as I can. But I also want, I want to, I want to, I want to focus on how the, the city has recovered. Right, because I well. think, I think there was, you mentioned it, like the activism, like after the story broke, a lot of people felt like, 
oh shit, we have to do something now. Like, it's up to us because these people who we elect, who we trust, they're not gonna do. They're not do. They're not working for us, right? right. So like. I know, like, we mentioned Eric Alivio. Like, I know he traces some of, like, his early stuff to, like, that scandal and, like, kind of being, like, enraged and in arms. And, like, I'm pretty sure there's a whole generation of people who were negatively affected either directly or, you know, psychologically. You heard about it in school, right? And it bummed you out. Like, I had my, my whole, like, people just started thinking city council members everywhere in every city were corrupt and doing the same kind of stuff. And some of it is true, you know, like, um, there are scandals. So I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not just to be like, not a slam piece, like, Oh fuck these people. And also not like, Oh, these poor people got screwed over, but it's like both sides and the recovery and kind of all of community that was built like because we felt like we had to be more involved and stuff it's like that's actually through my research for the documentary that's how i came across i leave you you know and uh, i remember doing some research and finding out about an art walk in bell and you know when i was growing up in bell an art walk never happened right so then from that article i was able to find i leave you and I remember going to Alivio for the first time and introducing myself and kind of feeling a, a bit of an outsider in my hometown because I hadn't been there in so long. Right. You know, I left in 1999 and I came back briefly in 2002. And then from there, uh, I moved to Long Beach. And so Long Beach became my adopted home. But I still consider Bell as my hometown. So I kind of, I remember going up to, when I first went to Alivio and introducing myself and realizing that I needed to gain the trust of the community Um you know, because I had been gone for so long. Because you're a long, you're a guy from Long Beach now. Yeah, <laughs> and to, also went, I went didn't to Orange, right. went to a college in Orange, and right. like bougie filmmaker type cat. <laughs> and, and, and that's just not the case, you right, know. But right. I understand, you know, the perception. And you know, I I shared with with the. I remember going up on stage and letting people know that I'm from Bell. I grew up down right around the corner from Jim's Burger, you know, right there on uh, Gage and Vineville. Gage and Vineville. I went to Woodlawn. I went to Nimitz for a week, and then uh, some kid got uh, shanked in front of the school, uh, and my mom freaked out, and she sent my ass to Downey to, to middle school with my cousins. But the whole time I was living, you know, in, in Bell. Bell and, yeah. Um, in the 90s, that's like its own fucking, that's like, 90s, that, could, that could be a whole other, like, episode of how southeast la was in the 90s and how different it is now that's why like when you said 99 then you're kind of fast forwarding to like the the early 2000s like it's so different it's like changed like there's new schools there's like new restaurants like the populations have kind of shifted the demographics are different so yeah i can understand you come back and it's like not the bell you remember really you know well i noticed the the first the first big change that i noticed was coming back for uh, Christmas break and seeing a Starbucks on Florence and Atlantic. <laughs> and that blew my mind. Right. I knew that, you know, a change was coming. And uh, and it's still there, and I go there every now and then, you know, when I have some production meetings to speak with some of the residents. Um, I also noticed that there weren't any uh, gangbangers. Like, I, I lived right, right behind on Vineville, which was controlled by uh, a crew called the Vineville Locals. And fortunately, like I wasn't, when I was a kid growing up, I was never pressured into going into a gang. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I was friends with the youngest brother of that crew. And they left me alone. I would walk up and down Vineville, you know, on my way home from school. So I would take the 111 bus uh, on Florence to Downey 
going to school and back back to school and I would walk down Bineville and nobody ever gave me a hard time. And uh, it was because I was friends with the youngest one. So I didn't have to deal with that. But I remember, you know, uh, Deb's Park, man, that, that place has changed a lot. When I was there, that's where all the taggers would hang out and smoke bowls and you would get hit up, you know, all the time. And I, I don't see that as often. I hear the cholo presence is still there, but it's not as visible. Yeah, like there's not tagging all over the walls. You don't see like I mean, a bunch of pelones yeah. like on the corner the just chilling with yeah, 40s. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was definitely different. I hear that they're still there, but it's just not as visible. You well, know? my theory that I don't even, you know, unsubstantiated, no evidence, this is completely opinion. Um, I'm pretty sure like the cartels came in and like chilled them all out, you know, gave them like lucrative business and said hey man like cut the shit so we could all make money you know that's what i would do if i if it was me you know but it's neither here nor there i don't that might not even be true but that's that's kind of what i think happened i've heard that there's a, a cartel influence um so specifically in like bell gardens and Karehe and but like you said it's unsubstantiated yeah. and i don't want to make any assumptions you know and I don't want to put my life life in danger because I'm assuming <laughs> right, something right, that right. may not exist. Good point. You know? So if you're listening, we're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, dude, this has been an awesome conversation. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Are we out of time already? No, nah, I mean, we have like 10 minutes. I was going to give you a chance to just kind of give everybody your social media. And like this is kind of going to be the wrap up and not do a little outro. But as, awesome. I mean... I know we've covered a lot of stuff. I mean, we could talk about Sella Arts Fest and kind of what your vision is for this year. Like, you really want to push for independent DJ lounge? Like, what's that looking like? Well, I, I do want to go back a little bit and, you know, reiterate that that's how you and I met a year ago during the organization. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, I was also part of the art walk that you mentioned. So I actually le. did sound and I performed at that art walk and I was helping with, like, some of the planning stuff. It was mostly... Eric and Selako, but I definitely like donated the sound system and ran the stage and stuff. So when I read the article, I was really inspired and humbled at the same time because I'm glad that that kind of event and that kind of space happened in my hometown because I feel like growing up we didn't have that opportunity and it's cool to see you know the younger generation putting together an event like that where it celebrates art and creativity and you know and, and positive vibes you know and i wish we had that growing up and i'm grateful that you guys are doing it so when i met you know eric and saw what he was doing through i leave you i'm like this is badass like Definitely. i want to be a part of it you know so i would come around you know every now and then and you know i even shot some footage for i leave you um you know i feel like i want to be of service to my community right you know, through this documentary through the cell arts festival i still feel a strong connection to my hometown, even though I haven't lived there physically uh, since 2002. Um, but it's it's my hometown, and I want to be of service. So when I heard about the Cell Arts Festival, I wanted to get involved in one way or another. Uh, at the time, my radio show was starting to blow up a little bit. And uh, I, what I really wanted to do was document the festival last year. So... But, but I, you tried. I did. I tried. After you <laughs> left, I was spinning, and I had I was shooting some of it. And I, I remember, take you know, when the Altons came on, shout out to the Altons, the homies. Um, you know, I went up on stage and I shot some of them, and I shot some of um, uh, not not Chamba, but the other band. Uh, Cree weapons of mass creation. I shot weapons of mass creation. The Altons have been guests on my Boye, show. Boye Bongo. Boye Bongo. I shot some of that, but it was. Just, 
so much, you know, like this Dude, year. We had 5,000 people there. Like, yeah. Well, it was, it was a lot for me because I was spinning and trying to shoot the same time. So what I would like and to I'm do. I'm sorry for that. You no, know, it's all would, good, brother. Dude, these fools lagged it with the date. I had no idea, you know, double booked myself. It's all good, you know. Uh, you opened the show and, and I ended up closing it. But what I would like to do this year is to have dedicated DJs, you know, one DJ, you know, to spin in between bands. And my, my dream, my goal would be to have like a DJ kind of like lounge where we would have like one hour sets where you and I can invite, we can curate the, the DJ booth or the DJ and lounge. And that would give them something that's going to be exciting for them and not be like, here, pay 10 minutes here and yeah. five minutes here. Yeah. And drop a song. We need a song right now. Or get cut off. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. that's the worst. Like you're spinning a set and you get cut off. I remember the, the fire marshal was yelling at me at the end to shut it down. And I'm like, I'm not in control of this, you know. But uh, <laughs> You're like, I have the theater right here. But hey, this is a festival, man. We're partying. Well, huh? you got to remember that we were patched in into the main soundboard right and that i didn't have control over you know but i would i would like just just you know some one of the things you know one of the blessings of having my radio show is getting connected with other djs you know i've had roddy and dennis from the good foot have been on the show uh, steady beat king steady beat was on the show uh uh jazzabella has been on the show clifton from funky soul has been on the show and so you know my network of djs has grown and i would like to invite I would like to invite primarily people from Sela. You know? Right, of course. But uh, I don't, you know, my understanding of Sela is, you know, Southeast LA, and that can be anything from Vernon and all the way to Long Beach. Although some people might argue about nah, that. I mean, honestly, if you really want to get technical, it goes all the way to La Mirada. But La Mirada is uh, Orange County. It's not. It's not? It's the last Southeast oh, okay. city. All it's right. the last Southeast city in LA. It's like the last one. Like, they have an Orange County experience. Because they're on that, they're on uh, that border. I that. I but that's actually the that's actually the last southeast. That's like the most south part of LA County. It's good to know. And, and at the last meeting that I went to, they brought in a map and they showed us, which helps me, you know. And I want to be as inclusive as possible. But I also want to stay true to the name, you know. It's Southeast LA. Um, we don't get enough opportunities to showcase the talent that that's here you know and one of the cool things about the festival is meeting people like you and and some of the other people who are involved in organizing like tetris and i had already met ray uh through alivio so i was already aware of his work but and cyclalic as well um but showcasing the talent that's here because we just we don't have as many opportunities and we're just not as known you know and and here's an opportunity for us to showcase our talents. Well, also, we get clumped in with all the other Latino communities. Like, you know, we get called East. I get I, people tell me I live in East L.A. all the time. It's like, fool, I live next to Southgate. It's Southeast. Like, you know, right. or not, you know, get called Boyle. Oh, you, oh, Boyle Heights? Montebello? Like, no, fool, not at all, actually. Like, not even close. Um, one last thing. We got five minutes left. Um, Damn, I went by quick. Dude, you're a great guest, man. You had the gift of Thank gab you. today, bro. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, so tell people where they can find you. I'll link everything. But, you know, if you just want to give a shout-out to anybody, get your social media out there, any projects that you really want them to go check out, the Amazon Pilot, you know, just do your thing. Yeah, for the Pilot, if you could just go to Amazon Prime and just write in scumbags uh, with an S. It's plural because there's another scumbag on there. It's a feature film. It's not related to me. Um, <laughs> but appreciate the views. You know, it's only eight minutes. It's a fun eight minutes, and hopefully it'll make you laugh. Uh, One Stone Productions, we have a Facebook page for that. If you're looking for, you know, a videographer for your event, such as Sella Arts Fest, or um, 
if you're just looking for a camera operator, I own a Canon C100. I shoot, uh, I, I freelance doing that as well. Um, the the documentary, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'm also working on on a on a series called Brown Falcon. Uh, that's set in Long Beach and Bell. Okay. Um, I'm hoping to get that up and running later this year. Brown Falcon. Brown Falcon. Uh, man, I wish we'd superhero. I wish we'd have brought that up sooner, bro. It sounds like an amazing. Well, topic. when it comes out, you'll come back. I'll come back. And, we'll, and yeah, any of this stuff, doing the documentaries done, you know, come back. We'll talk about it. We, I could even splice it in like after the fact and put it up on YouTube with like scenes of us talking about it or whatever. We could we could do some interesting shit. That we that'd be dope, man. Um, what else? I got a music video with the Altons. Uh, in the works called uh, Going Nowhere combines live action with animation. I got a foodie pilot uh, called To Live and Eat in LA that's coming out later this year featuring Carnitas El Momo. If you haven't tried it, check them out. I just went vegan. Oh, <laughs> bad time. <laughs> I know. Well, if you ever come back to Carnitas, yeah, you know? hit them up. They're in Bo Heights and South Central. Well, my girl leaves me. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I have a short film uh, that I'm editing right now called Susanna. That'll be coming out later this year. Uh, for all my work that's completed, you can go to my YouTube uh, channel, Gary Alvarez. And uh, for all our uh, Persistence of Sound archive shows, we're on Mixcloud, Persistence of Sound. And uh, the last thing I want to say is I just want to give a shout-out to my fiance Telmi. I don't know if she's... Uh, watching, she might be at work still, but uh, oh, she'll hear it later on the replay for sure. All right, then I'll send her the link. <laughs> and uh, other than that, man, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me on the show. And yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. And I look forward to you coming on my show. And bro, uh, when you coming? July, time. July, right before we got three minutes left. All right, um, that's been Gary Alvarez. Check him out on everything. I am Sneaky. I will be at Novocaine tomorrow for uh, our emo rock night. Everything from classic 90s and 2000s, alternative, emo, screamo. Um, let's get all in our feels. And, you know, Novocaine to numb the pain. Let's get fucked up, whatever. Um, I used to do this at the Hound Bar. It's like the, it's like a similar concept. I'm doing it at his sister's bar now, keeping it in the family, man. You know what I'm saying? And then um, Thursday I'm at Border X. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Golden Road, and uh, yeah, find me everything at Sneaky ENT, Google Sneaky. I'm here every Monday night, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the west side of the after party. Thank you again to Tony Grands, Dewdrop Delights, Midnight Motives, Night Flare, La Clica, and Awakening Authenticity for keeping recognition and respect alive, and I'll see y'all next week. Brittany, take us out. Peace. Peace.